everybody. I'm Maya. I'm Melissa. I'm Olivia. And we're here to take you back to your, your Twilight phase. What's up? How you doing? I'm so tired. Are you asking us or the listeners? I'm asking you guys. I'm yeah, the, answer, the listeners can't answer us. Well, we could like yeah, leave like silence for them. Not Dora. Not yeah, we Dora. could be. And be like, I'm happy to hear that. Sometimes or, we ask also. questions. <laughs> That's the Spanish that I know. Mm. Delicioso. <laughs> did you learn it from Dora? Yeah. To start. <laughs> I did. Maybe anyway. we should teach our listeners another language. I can um, teach them the Dutch I've been learning. I half-heartedly know Spanish. I sometimes know French. Sometimes. <laughs> I know French on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> And every full book. moon. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a werewolf, except you can speak French. Wait, can someone write that, please? <laughs> well, do we have any listener emails to read this week? We actually we do. do. We have some really fun ones. You guys texted me about one of them, at least. That's how I know. I didn't read them because I was very overwhelmed. <laughs> or I never I, read them. I read them but I am also very overwhelmed so then I felt more overwhelmed because I thought about how many emails I owe back to you listeners uh if you heard our episode a couple weeks ago I was like I'm really behind I'm so sorry I'm doing my best I'll catch up soon I still haven't caught up um you know what we're just that famous now we're the we're now the podcast that can't write back to every single one of our listener emails but we still love you all have an automatic reply where we're just like you know super lame no, no way. No way. <laughs> Just trust your email got to us. And even when we don't reply to them, we do read them all. And I, I, mean, I, I don't. genuinely do plan to okay, get well, back Maya to Maya and I read them all. If you'd like know Melissa to read your emails, you have to say so. So that we'll send it to you. Okay. So yeah. we have another email from our dear friend, CJ. CJ, thank you for writing in. Yeah. Hey, CJ. VIP. Subject line. Next chapter, best chapter. Or if you read this late, then Visions was a good chapter. (laughs) We did read it late. Thank you for leaving that option available for us. All right. Oh, you're right. This is the chapter where I was so mad that I hadn't reread it. Yeah. Yeah. And CJ makes some like really interesting connections too that I really enjoyed. Uh, CJ writes, this chapter is probably my favorite chapter in the whole book, if not the entire series, ever since I read it in the leaked script in the middle school computer classroom during lunch period after asking the teacher if I could. That's a mood. Computer classroom. Computer classroom. Hashtag twilight phase. (laughs) CJ says, we get to know about all the Cullens as individuals and as a family by reading about probably the most vampire-y thing they do in the whole series, discussing if they should kill Bella to protect their secret. (laughs) That's true. Skipping ahead a little bit, uh, some fun connections CJ made. Carlisle at the head, following his moral compass with Edward and Esme at his side. We actually learned something about Esme here besides that she's the mom, TM. Wait, what do we learn? Well, listen, I'm telling you. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) And that she can be okay with murder if it keeps the family together. That, like, is interesting because, like, we knew that, but I never interrogated that. That Esme is, like, kind of a terrible person. (laughs) Like, I I don't care if you have to kill Bella. 
as long as like my family's together <laughs> they all operate on their vampire morals you know right Not as we Carlisle. said carlisle's the only Carlisle. true one we'll say it till we die like esme bella is someone's family yeah but carlisle's the kind of perfect that's really annoying okay, so but just is he about it. is he really perfect if he's so perfect that it's annoying okay well yes i think so. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um and then we got a couple of emails from our dear friend the teenager gwen gwen the teenager (laughs) gwen the teenager uh so i won't read the whole thing um but these were just so fun um subject line i am a teenager reading twilight part two (laughs) this is a little bit of gwen's backstory with twilight which was the when she did ask for it we did ask when she was about seven her family was doing a garage sale she writes my mom was selling the whole twilight saga i told my mom someday i could be obsessed with twilight but you would (laughs) never know because you sold the twilight saga (laughs) fast forward to sixth grade i was bored and i needed a new book to read friendly reminder i just finished the harry potter series i picked up (gasps) a twilight copy at my school library and started reading it My mom came by and asked what I was reading, and she saw that it was Twilight. She told me I wasn't ready to read it yet. Parentheses. Come on, mom. (laughs) I obeyed and put it back. I eventually forgot about it. Another fast forward to the beginning of 2019. I saw Twilight and started reading it without my mom's permission. I started begging for my mom to let me start reading it. She eventually agreed after a week of begging. When I brought it home, she was awed of how far I was. I finished the first three books quickly, probably by March. I was not allowed to read Breaking Dawn yet, but guess what? I started reading it. I read the first two chapters before the year ended. During the summer, I was just begging for my mom to read it. Finally, she agreed, and I read it fast. Now that I've read it, I'm like, Mom, there is no freaking sex in this. Like, (laughs) Also, I have heard of Beyblades. I think the climate crisis needs to be fixed, but I don't know how to fix it. Come on, I'm only 17. Here are my thoughts on Christmas decorations. I love Christmas. Yes! I will never say no to Christmas music any time of the year. Yes! Also, love you, Gwen. Wow. Loved every piece of that. I had so I much fun. Love you, Gwen. Oh, that's um, so and then so Gwen sent a second follow-up email. So I'm a teenager listening to a Twilight podcast, part two, parentheses, part two. (laughs) Um, Where Gwen tells us of her love for Nessie, and she sent along. Interesting. Yeah. So Gwen's reason why is because she gets so much criticism. I like things that a lot of people hate. I mean, we're part (laughs) of the Twilight community, so we have seen our fair share. Which, very compelling reason. Like. Are we hating on Nessie really so different from other people hating on the Twilight fandom overall? It's true. We really should be hating on... The haters. The haters, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We are slightly more informed than most people who hate on Twilight. That's true. But we're professionals. (laughs) Did your guys' parents, like, censor stuff for you? My dad once asked me... When he saw me reading Aragon, you know, the book about dragons, um, he saw it. He's like, should you be reading that? And I said, yes. And that was the last time he ever asked me about what I was reading. (laughs) Um, My parents never did, but I remember my sister, who is three years older than me, 
telling me that I wasn't allowed to read the notebook yet. Ooh. I did feel really like naughty reading Sisterhood <laughs> of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> I only read that in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Those books are so good. I know, but I was like, I was like, I'm not the appropriate age for this. <laughs> the major plot point in the first book that you get, Bridget has sex. Exactly. And exactly. I probably read multiple of those books and I don't remember anything else that happened in those books. But nope. I, remember I remember an explicit scene with Costas. Costas. Costos. Costos. Yes. I remember that. That's what I remember. That one I, remember I read soccer, in the bathroom Bridget late having at night. sex and Costos. That's you what don't I remember got. like Tilly or whatever her name is hanging out with Brian? No. No. I, she no. was the one that had to stay home for the summer, unlike okay. everyone else. Oh my god, we should read this as her as a traveling fan for the pod. <laughs> That's um, what we do next. And Brian was the one that would like stay at the 7-Eleven or the convenience store all the time playing like a video game. The video game. Okay, yes, I do remember that. Yes, he was such a dork. Yeah, uh, but you like really grow to love him. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna read our last email for another the email? day. Yeah, Wait, this what? one's really fun too. It's subject line, the Mike Newton effect from Adriana. Adriana? Sorry for whichever way of that was wrong. Hey again. I was cleaning out my phone and I rediscovered something from this summer and I don't know if I've heard this phrase before, but I've decided to dub it the Mike Newton effect. (laughs) Essentially, I came inside during the summer. We have a huge yard, so like I can go outside despite the dumpster fire of the world. And I saw a familiar face on the TV and of course screamed for my mom to pause it. Listeners, um... It's a picture of a TV, and Mike Newton is on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I've I've only seen it that movie once, so I don't know. I don't remember Mike Newton. Well, this is this is him (gasps) older. Well, it's the same actor. Yeah, it's the same actor. Okay, but imagine if like you're a mom and your daughter comes in and you're just like watching some nice Hallmark movie and she's like, pause it. Look familiar? I know the subject line is a dead giveaway, but yes, it is indeed the Mike Newton man known to the real world as Michael Welch. Anyways, this was a Hallmark movie in which he was playing the boyfriend that is holding back the female protagonist and will inevitably be cheated on. Like Mike Newton, he has no chance. Also, when I Googled to verify it was him, I discovered he was in a movie called Unrequited, so I think it's a trend. Keeping in mind, I've only ever seen him in the Twilight and this Hallmark movie, but I think the role of Mike Newton has cursed him to only play a pining person with no shot of romance. Aww. I mean, I love that. I love it. Um, It says, P.S. Have any of y'all read The Song of the Lioness Quartet by Tamora Pierce? (laughs) Have we? Yeah, we've read The Song of the Lioness by Tamora Pierce. Adriana, we're your people. We're your people. (laughs) We're your people. Damn. Yeah, we read it. Listeners, if you haven't, Adriana um, succinctly describes it as a girl going undercover to become a knight, which is correct. Oh, that that's one. what it is. That's and it. It's yeah, so that's good. literally it. I'm it's ashamed so to say that I have not read it. <gasps> but I feel sufficient shame about it. Do Since you? you feel shame, we'll allow it. Then she I says, PPS, sorry to bother you with another email. You're not, but we want these love emails yeah i love everyone who isn't writing in you should write in to say sorry for not writing (laughs) (laughs) and those are the listeners thank you listeners let's get to it all i know is that it's not my week for recap i feel like it's probably me because i crushed it last week you really did Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right i can do this 
I read this on Sunday, and it is now Thursday. So, what happened? I was about to like be like, no, it's not. (laughs) What day did you think it was? Friday. You know, I was thinking about how, like, tonight I was like, oh my god, it's already the end of Thursday. Like, where did the week go? And then I was thinking about how all week I was waiting for it to be right now. When it's the beginning of the week, you're like, I can't wait for the end of the week. And when it's the end of the week, you're like, I didn't do enough this week. Right. <laughs> Very unhealthy. <laughs> Everyone um, should forsake jobs. <laughs> no one working more. Guys, sign up for our Patreon so we can quit our jobs. <laughs> and then this Allie will be our Wong's job. comedy special where, like, her refrain is, I don't want to work anymore. <laughs> She's so funny. Okay, um, here's what happens. Chapter five, invitations. This is a chapter where Stephanie Meyer adds a bunch of random crap that didn't happen in Twilight in order <laughs> to show why Edward is falling in love with Bella. Um, like, she's, like, nice to someone in biology class. <laughs> and uh, Eric is being made fun of for wanting to go to Comic-Con, and she's like, hey, no, yeah, me too. I want to go to Comic-Con, even though she doesn't know what Comic-Con even is. Then everybody asks Bella out, and at first, when it's just Mike, Edward's big mad about it, uh, but she says no, and Edward's like, I, I think that I have to talk to her now because I was so upset by the thought so that upset. she might go out with Mike that I just like, I can't stay away from her anymore. I can't fight these feelings anymore. <laughs> I can't fight these feelings anymore. Uh, and so after that, it becomes funny to Edward. Like, everyone is asking Bella out, and it just becomes, like, more and more uproariously hilarious to him. He, like, parks his car so that Bella is stuck, and Tyler can, like, mm-hmm. like get out of the car and go to Bella's passenger side window <laughs> to ask her out. So and weird. Edward's like, ha, 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 and he laughs all the way home because he knows that like, Bella's literally. not going out with him. He literally any laughs all the way home. <laughs> yeah, he literally laughs he all literally the way home. <laughs> um, and that night, he's, like, out on a run because he's, like, you know, blowing off steam. And he starts thinking, okay, so I know that I'm going to, like, hang with Bella again, but like, what if something happens before I can see her? What if a meteorite falls from the sky and hits her? I should go check on her. So he runs to her house, and he can hear that everything is fine inside, and he's like, okay, but what if there is something happening visually that, like, I can't hear? And he's like, oh, this is so wrong, but also I've killed people, so it's totally <laughs> fine. And he breaks into her room for the first time. <laughs> Um, while there, the very famous moment where, like, Bella, like, speaks out in her sleep, and she's like, Edward, stay, and he's like, I can't fight it anymore, I'm in love, and the next day, he's really happy, because he's in love, and he, like, jaunts over to Bella, and is like, hey, and she's, like, mad, and he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot, she's mad at me, um, she didn't have, like, a big revelation in the night. And he's like, so about the girl's choice dance coming up. And Bella's like, don't you dare. Like, you were <laughs> fucking with me. And he's like, do you want to ride to Seattle? And she's like, okay. And that's the chapter. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Thank I you. Thank nine. you. Nine. Great work. 
A nine? Yeah. <gasps> I thought I was going to get like a three when I was going a into three? it because I was like, I don't remember what happened at all, but it all no, came I back give you a, I give you at least a nine. Ba- oh. <laughs> Her face. A 99. <laughs> That's not how two nines work. <laughs> yeah, it is. Nine <laughs> next to nine is 99. <laughs> That's so math. That's an A plus. <laughs> Guys, can I tell you why uh, the whole Edward imagining meteorites reminded me of of that episode of SpongeBob where Squidward leaves SpongeBob to manage the Krusty Krab on his own so that Squidward can have a day off <laughs> to run some errands. <laughs> and every time Squidward goes to run errands, he's like the crusty crab is on fire and then he runs back and it he's like are you finished with those errands no anyway that's what i thought of <laughs> um for some it's reason a- it made me think of like owl city and fireflies hey oh. i think that yeah, it he talked about just centipedes like, twilight is tied to the owl city phase of my life Gwen, have you listened to Owl City? Do 17-year-olds <laughs> listen to Owl City? Let us know. Um, Wait, how does that song go? You would not fireflies. believe your eyes. <laughs> Ten thousand fireflies. Split <laughs> up the night as I fell asleep. Guys, were you watching Biden's acceptance speech when he started to talk about a hymn that he wanted to say? And I was like, don't sing. Don't sing. Don't sing it. Oh, I was also nervous he was going to sing. <laughs> But then he just spoke. It was better. And he spoke it dramatically, and I was like, "Oh, thank God!" But um, so I listeners, sorry that we just saw <laughs> what the president's singing voice sounds like. I don't. It doesn't know. matter who the president is. I don't need to know. <laughs> like, yeah, presidents aren't allowed to sing. Okay, so let's actually talk about invitations. <laughs> um, this is a chapter where Edward transitions from falling in love to being in love. Because at the beginning, he's like, did I love her? I don't think so. Not yet. But like, I can see how easy it would be. And I want to talk about that the rest of the line later. Because maybe we should just get into it now. Is it enough? Yeah, wait. Go ahead. I just had my my best sentence. All we have before this is just the fact that he right now is very determined to change the future. Which isn't really about falling in love with her so much as... Like, he's pretty sure he's going to ruin her life by either murdering her or turning her into vampire. So his only objective right now is stay away from Bella because both of those outcomes are very dangerous. Right, and I think in both those outcomes, he probably loves her. So if anything... Yeah, I think he's sort of accepted that that piece of it is inevitable. Right, but like, if anything, he's trying to... Because he's like, if I can avoid loving her, then I can avoid all the other bad all things. All of it, that's true. Um, which brings up this section yes I want to read it I want to read it okay should I read the whole paragraph yeah go for it I mean it's all so good it's so good um did I love her I did not think so not yet Alice's glimpses of that future had stayed with me though and I could see how easy it would be to fall into loving Bella it would be exactly like falling effortless not letting myself love her was the opposite of falling It was pulling myself up a cliff face, hand over hand, the task as grueling as if I had no more than mortal strength. (gasps) (gasps) Like, ooh, that got me. (laughs) Got me right in the heart hole. It's so good that they put it on the front flap, like above the copy. I haven't even, I don't don't have the jacket. I haven't looked at the flap copy. (laughs) Oh, well, here it is. 
That is the yep. little above the dingbat. It's okay, well, I'm talking I about three things it. I was absolutely positive. Yeah. You yeah. know, just like an iconic line that when the editor was reading, she was probably like, oh, he's like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. And it's hilarious that we read it and we're like, yo, do you read that shit? That was some good shit. It was so good. <laughs> I can't think of any other piece of writing that plays with the idea of falling in love in the opposite. Like, there are plenty of times right. where people are like, I fell in love. Isn't that fun wordplay? Like, right. you know, whatever. But the idea of him, like, fighting gravity, like, up the right. cliffs of insanity, like, from Princess Bride trying to not love her. Right. Oh, like I loved it. Like, the falling in itself is inevitable and in that he's trying not to. Like, most people, I think, describe as falling as, like, accidentally. Like, ah, I didn't even know it was happening. Or, like, they take the leap. But he's, like, the ground was falling out from underneath me and I'm trying to, like, climb out of the hole. It's and I like, was, like, <laughs> I fell in love the way you fall asleep. Slowly. slowly and then all, and at, all once. at once. Uh, which I mean, I, that's not I how I a little fall bit asleep, but. of uh jokey tone but like that book also is really good. oh that book slayed me as well but yeah. whatever i know that people make fun of the fault in our stars now but it's getting a little bit of the twilight treatment where yep. everybody loved it and now people yep. like to make fun of it so it's very true so he says i couldn't watch her with my eyes so i watched her through the eyes of others because like everyone's thinking about bella uh and i really think <laughs> this is because her. he can't social media stock like, right <laughs> If they no, have, he can literal stalk. Yeah, because he, he doesn't have social media, stalk. he has to literally stalk her. Because he's a mind-reading vampire, he literally stalks her. If they had Facebook, you know Edward would be glued to his phone. Like, ooh, was she tagged in anyone's story? Like, for checking. Sure. No, I imagine these vampires as, like, being, like, too high for the human obsessions of social media no me way. too that's why it's so funny that he would be <laughs> no on his phone way they would be too good for it oh no not at all i Is mean what finger? would they post about they can't like i think they would all lurk they would never post because no, they would can't never. like exist online okay rosalie would rosalie would be an influencer but she right, that would be like be. a major problem. I think Rosalie yep. would accidentally become an influencer, and it would be a yep. problem for them. That is such a good. And fan then they idea. would have to yep. stage her death. <gasps> oh my <laughs> god! Like really tragic death that, that she would then enjoy watching. Oh yeah, from. I love that. <laughs> it's just like those fan fiction we talked about, where they like fake their own deaths. The authors. Oh my god, and then people would see her out in the world and be like, oh, you look so much like, and she'd be like, oh, that's so sweet. Tragic figure ex. Yeah, totally. Oh my god, I want that so bad. Oh, that's so funny. I wanted to talk about how I felt like this is where Edward gets into like some tragic, self-effacing mental gymnastics, but it's pretty, it's, it's pretty believable. Like, you go there with him. You know, yeah. even just if I was destined to love her, then wasn't avoiding her the very least I could do. It's like taken out of context, like, no. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're but very wrong. But he's walking he through there. it. Yeah, you did see yeah. how he gets there. There's a line that really does a great job of like justifying all the gymnastics that he does later. It's page 89. He says, the first two were familiar. He's referring to the things that torment him. 
mm-hmm. her scent and her silence, or rather to take the responsibility on myself where it belonged, my thirst and my curiosity. Mm-hmm. So like later in this chapter, Olivia was talking about how we like go along on his journey of like justifying why he should go into her room. And this line does so much for me because it's self-aware, you know, like he's not saying, oh, Bella's scent is so powerful that I have to go. He's like, the responsibility is on myself. And that to me, like kind of set it apart. I can appreciate that he doesn't blame the victim here. Yeah. I mean, I think he is equal parts, sometimes self-aware and equal parts, completely not at all. Um, He really flips back and forth throughout this chapter for me. Um, Mm -hmm. My worst sentence is when on page 97, when he's in biology class and Bella is like hiding behind her hair and he can see that her cheek was deep crimson and, and it just says the monster liked that. Oh, I hated that line. I hate that line, but also you like that Edward. The monster is you. You are the monster. They're not separate. Like, he does well. He tries like he to doesn't, force himself from it because he hates it. It's the right. piece of himself that he loathes so much. That he right, but like that's like classic coping mechanism one hundred one. You know, separating yourself into two different like people in order to handle doing something that you don't like. Mm. So like, there is still a part of him that he hasn't actually realized does the things that he doesn't like like he goes back and forth between being like oh no i'm i'm that terrible person and like oh that monster like yeah that's true because when he's breaking in he is like aware that it is himself right he goes back and forth yeah i don't know that it seems that bad for me for him to like separate his like better or higher mind from the monster because it makes me think about like You know that idea where if you like think something problematic and then your reaction to that is to be like, oh, that was messed up. Like the reaction where you're like, oh, that was messed up is what you truly believe. Right. And the problematic thought is what society has taught you to believe. Right. But that's still you. It's not a separate person. What I learned, what I like am constantly working through in therapy is that like you are one whole person and like even though you want to separate out the things that you don't like about yourself they are still part of you even the you that you like like Mm. you can't parse yourself like that like you are one whole person who also who does things that you like and who does things that you don't like and so you need to like come to terms with that interesting I feel like our ideas aren't necessarily in conflict with each other I mean fair (laughs) so This is where Edward transitions into noticing all these things about Bella. Yes, Bella being a martyr. Yeah. There's something interesting right before that where Edward is talking about, like, he and his family always have to, like, play pretend. And he's like, Bella is, like, also playing a part. Um, Right. And I was like, oh, you guys have something in common where you're both (laughs) performing. Maybe that could be explored more. And it'd be like something that would bring you together. But instead, it's just kind of like a throwaway line. So they're in biology class. There's a new character. Her name's Tara. Tara's a stoner. (laughs) (laughs) Tara's a stoner 
and a failure. <laughs> yeah, she's failing bio. It's the same thing, duh. <laughs> um, they have to like pick partners. Mike asks Bella, and Bella invites Tara into their group. And Mike is like, "Why did you do that?" And Bella's like, "It's like whatever. Like if she doesn't do it, I'll do her part." And the idea is that Bella knows that Tara will fail bio without like a good grade and she wants to help and edward's like she's so good and even mr banner thinks like nice of bella she's kinder than most of these cannibals i'm just like i cannot roll my eyes more (laughs) i truly don't even know where to start one esme always tells us that edward is so good if edward is so good why doesn't edward ask tara Right, Edward could be saving everybody's grades all the time. Edward's not actually that good, and we know that. (laughs) Esme has this idea of Edward, and you know what? I think Edward is getting this idea of Bella, because guess what? This is just a regular, I don't know, human being shit. You think it would really fuck with your sense of self to constantly hear what everybody thinks about you? Edward never talks about that. He doesn't really talk about hearing... Like, I guess the humans just, like, think they're all so weird, and so that's it, but... Right. Well, they think they're weird and hot, which isn't, like, the worst (laughs) thing someone can think about you. That's true. Um, One of my favorite parts is on page 89, where Edward notices that he's, like, analyzing everything that Bella does. He's like, was she speaking her thoughts or what she thought she should say? And, like, how he's, like, running in all these circles about, like, okay, but who, like, what is she actually thinking? I'm like, bitch, I do this every goddamn day with every single goddamn person I talk to. Like, this is a very regular, like, anxious person thing to do. Um, But he just just doesn't usually have to do it. Right, exactly. This is the first time where he's like, she said that, but what does she mean? (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys think it's weird that Edward doesn't tell us what Tara is thinking? I didn't think about that until right now. No, me neither, because he's he's just so laser-focused on Bella. Yeah, but that's a good point. Yeah, it is a good point. Honestly, Tara's probably annoyed. She says whatever. (laughs) That's a classic annoyed teenager. She doesn't know anything about Bella, so she's like... She's just like, whatever. Okay, fine, whatever. Again, I don't like you and I don't like Mike, but... (laughs) But if you'll do the work. Yeah. (laughs) And also... Mike being like, she's a total stoner. Come on. Like, I'm supposed to believe that in the small town of Forks, Washington, every high They're schooler isn't stoners. getting high. Yeah. <laughs> what else is there to do? Truly. Just on various levels. I think uh, what I wrote in the book is, I don't know where to start with this. And I left it that. <laughs> That's what you need. the scene that Maya previously explained where they're all talking about where they would love to go and eric says comic-con and bella barely knows what comic-con is it becomes clear that she doesn't know where it is the fact that it's in san diego and uh he says it was revealing of her character i was always compiling my list but now i would never know where she would have chosen for herself Um, And in general, I just felt like we get this list of examples of her being very selfless, which from her point of view, we really only see in relation to Renee and maybe Charlie. Um, I will say that I was, I wrote rolling my eyes like five times 
in this past page. Like I literally couldn't stand it. But also I made the note that, um, but also I dream of my crush noticing the same things about me and also right. thinking I'm a saint. <laughs> thinking so hard about everything that she does. Right. I'm like, hopefully someone will notice how completely selfless I am and then be like, wow, she's perfect. Right. It's right after this that we get, I mean, first of all, we get a lot of cute examples of these selfless things that she does, like giving up her locker so that two best friends could be together, uh, not thanking a teacher if the teacher's really sad. Fuck that. Um, Which makes Bella seem like such a dork. Like, oh God, thanks, Mr. So Banner. Sweet. Great lesson. <laughs> when we actually know that I mean. Bella thinks very lowly of all the lessons she gets, she's like, I learned That's this true. in first grade. She's <laughs> also an elitist. That's true. <laughs> so, actually, this is all put upon act. No, I That's think why she has to thank nice. the teacher. She's like, Well, I'm more on the teacher's level, so they're my peers. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so mean. <laughs> I mean, I think Edward goes a little far. He says, he goes way too far. Bella was good. No. All the other things added up to that whole kind and self-effacing and unselfish and brave. She was good through and through. And no one seemed aware of that besides me. <laughs> the thing that made me so mad about this was like, you know, our takeaway in Twilight is that Bella is the most average. She is. She's like a very, she's like the, the average girl. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Like the average, average girl, girl is, is good. good. <laughs> I think it. I think it puts her on a pedestal, which I mean, like, like she Edward, does so back dumb. to him. So again, maybe they deserve each other. Like she does the same thing to him. Oh yeah, they both put each other up on these stupid pedestals, mm. and they're just sitting high above everyone else. Okay, hope they enjoy fair, it up there. To be fair, Twilight, don't we all do that when we first have a crush? I've yes. never felt. I want to be put on a pedestal for sure. <laughs> Scott absolutely puts me on a pedestal. Did you and I just love say I've it. never felt? <laughs> yes, I've never felt. <laughs> well, I know that to be untrue. We know that's not true. <laughs> I would never betray any vulnerability by feeling. <laughs> that reminds me of the line in Perks and Rec. And he's like, oh my god, baby, you had a crush on me. She's like, babe, we're married. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but that's so embarrassing. <laughs> oh, that's such a good show. <laughs> but yeah, I love being on a pedestal. <laughs> Put me up there. I want to be, be like, higher. I'll be like, oh, I did something so stupid. And Scott will be like, no, you never could. And I'll be like, you're right. I'm perfect. And I'll be like, you're better than perfect. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I mean, I say those things to myself, but I would really like someone else to say them to me. <laughs> You gotta be your own best friend, you know? Okay, but I would also like someone else to say them to me, as well as me saying them to myself. I saw a tweet today. There was a woman saying that when her grandmother had died, they were, like, going through her jewelry and stuff, and they noticed that she had put pictures of herself in all of her lockets. (laughs) It reminded me that when I went to college, I, like, put framed photos of myself on my desk <laughs> like on your wall around funny. you it's like this is me when I was happy like, this is me when I was like popular <laughs> it was like me in a dress like holding a flower <laughs> <laughs> that is the whole point of seeing your photos it was my 
aunt had like gifted me photos of myself in frames and I liked the, it was a nice gift so I took them to college and put it up and I didn't realize that it was a strange thing for me to do until someone like well, commented the thing is it's not strange if other people are in the photo with you that's very normal no it's just me but just you it's pretty funny I love that and I love the idea of putting photos of myself in a locket <laughs> with a this locket is the real one look <laughs> <laughs> listeners love yourselves you know? love yourselves um one of my favorite things about this chapter is the deep dramatic irony of edward feeling like bella ignores him and hates him right now. yeah yeah his fourth of four torments which let me tell you takes like five pages to talk about plain um the last one is bella's indifference oh yeah <laughs> Oh, which and also though there's this one part where like Mike is like, wait, where is it? Oh, he's the third torment. I skipped over Mike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where is that specifically? Where like Mike is like sitting on his desk. Um, Mike oh, is living in Edward's it? head, rent free. Oh yeah. Right, and so um he says, Mike was working up his nerve as he walked Bella to biology. I listened to his struggles as I waited for them to arrive. The boy was weak. He had waited for this dance purposefully, afraid to let his infatuation be known before she had shown a marked preference for him. He didn't want to make himself vulnerable to rejection, preferring that she take that leap first. Coward. And I was like, bitch, you're literally doing the same exact thing. <laughs> the way Edward talks about Mike in this chapter is so wild. Oh. At one point, he says, I frequently frequently amused myself by imagining backhanding him into the room sorry backhanding him across the room and into the far wall it probably wouldn't injure him fatally of course it would if you hit him so hard he flies it's the bottom of 92 top of 93 if you hit him so hard that he flies across the room into the other wall yeah Yeah. he's probably gonna die on 95, he says, I yearn to pulverize his skull with my fist. Right <laughs> after the part that Melissa read, he says he sat on our, sat down on our table again, comfortable through long familiarity, and I imagined the sound it would make if his body hit the opposite wall with enough force to break most of his bones. What the fuck, Edward? This is, I just I want feel- to remind he, everyone that this is someone who has this murdered is many people and is about to stalk a girl. This so is not, This is the unhealthy side. Yes. Edward. I want like, you okay, to fine, he's a vampire. But, like, I just feel like this is, like, violent, protective jealousy as romance, which incredibly is incredibly unhealthy. I do not approve of we do it's, not approve of this it's truly like yo get a hobby and a therapist <laughs> and a therapist well like, he definitely needs therapy because it takes him a long time to recognize his jealousy so he yes. describes it as like an indescribable tangle of pain and fury and desire and despair and again as we've already discussed he's been reading minds for fucking a hundred years yeah bro how does he not recognize emotions in himself but it takes like mike feeling jealous for him to be like oh mike is jealous and that's the same that that's what i'm feeling i'm jealous sympathetic 
to knowing things in other people and not necessarily recognizing them in yourself like yeah but you don't don't read people's minds directly yes that's true (laughs) (laughs) but like there's been a couple times where you know I'm like you know my best friend is like oh my god I can't believe I did that I'm so stupid and I was like shut the fuck up stop talking so mean about yourself and then like at the same time I'll be like god I'm such a stupid bitch it's only like, stupid when I do it. Yeah, and then different. and then my best friend is like, "You're literally doing the same thing I was doing, and you said <laughs> that I shouldn't do that." And you're like, "God, I'm so stupid." <laughs> so. <laughs> but it's also strange that he doesn't recognize his jealousy because, like, he has experienced envy before in his vampire life. Earlier in the book, he talks about being like the seventh wheel or whatever the fuck he is (laughs) in his household right and how like everyone else found someone but he didn't and there's like definitely a tinge of jealousy there it's only that it's like so strong here yeah not just pain outright rage that it's like yeah um I was wondering very suddenly in this chapter do we think Edward has ever kissed anyone before Bella probably not I, I want to imagine that in his human life he did you know there was like he was only 17 and it was like 1918 like so maybe not like good chance not yeah I but like don't I know it's like not really in line with his character but don't you love the idea of like Edward as a youth like like taking a stroll with some nice young lady and he knows that he shouldn't kiss her but he steals like the tiniest kiss. I love that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe that. You know, like an Anne of Green Gables Gilbert Blythe. He uses the word. And then he thinks about it for four months. Yes. He uses Um, the word courting in this chapter. I was just like it was just like, I don't know. I feel like I'm being really judgmental of people who like don't show physical affection. But like the combo of him being super violent and then also not having it like just rang very much like those angry white boys who are virgins and who like shoot up people because they're angry about it okay the only thing that I can give to Edward on his you know in his corner is that he does recognize that he does not have like a claim to her and it hurts him that he doesn't have a claim to him but he recognizes he recognizes it like the thing that kind of like hurt so much in this chapter is the like realizing that she's gonna say yes to somebody and that like he wishes that he could go murder that person <laughs> again violent and bad but he's like but I can't do that because she deserves happiness and so I would never do that <laughs> I have a little more to give to Edward which <laughs> is that all feeling are okay but not all actions are okay true so the fact that edward feels like he wants to pulverize mike or hit him so hard that he hits the other wall and breaks all his bones and maybe dies it's not great but to feel that mad right is actually okay it's just he actually in- hurt mike that would be the problem it's just in combination with the fact that he is a murderer 
Right. And I think it's the way that you have to read it. Like, in order for us to understand it as readers, he has to put it in some, like, very graphic words, which, like, right. translates the feeling into a very concrete, imagined action. It's and just, it's like, when I think objectively, like, if someone were to be like, hey, that person's killed dozens of people, and he's imagining throwing you across the room and pulverizing every bone in your body, I'd be like, there's a good chance he's going to act on that. Well, you wouldn't like that, but the thing is, is that in life, that never happens, which is why <laughs> feelings are okay, because they're <laughs> internal, <laughs> and they don't hurt other people. I have thought about strangling someone before. What was vividly. that? I have thought about strangling someone before. Yeah, good. we've all probably thought some, like, messed up stuff. Right. Actions, actions matter. Yeah. It's this, these conversations about um, Bella turning people down for the dance and Edward finally realizing that he's jealous that convinces him that he's going to fail at staying away from her. Like he has so far succeeded and this is the scene where he's like, this is impossible. I know I'm going to ask about it. Like this, I'm, I'm not going to make it. He's like, I can't even sit by and watch her get asked out. How am I gonna sit by and watch her like truly move on? I, I can't, I, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Right, like, and so they and finally has talk. That thought, and he's like, well, that's it. They finally talk. <laughs> I really enjoyed this because in Twilight, he starts talking again and you're so in Bella's perspective mm -hmm. where you're like, yeah, Edward, you're being ridiculous. Like what, why are you acting like this? But coming at it from Edward's perspective where he starts talking to her again and she's mad and he had like forgotten that she was pissed. I was like, oh yeah, because I just read about your torments for 30 pages. I <laughs> forgot that Bella was mad. That, was right, so that Bella does have her own feelings and thoughts as this is happening. Uh, Bella I says um, her line about like, well, you know what? It's too late that you didn't figure out that we shouldn't be friends earlier because you could have saved all yourself this regret and just let that stupid van squish me, which I just want to say is a hilarious Squish. word in this context. It it's is. Like a lover's quarrel. But this page is where I first wrote tension. <laughs> like finally. Yeah. Between the two of them together, you know, yeah. I feel like Edward actually... makes tension where there doesn't need to be tension constantly. But this and is, like, good tension. Also, the next page is page 100, and I wrote, it's already been 100 pages, <laughs> which I didn't mean it passed quickly, but that not very much had happened. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. On page 100, Emmett, who, you know, normally, like, doesn't pay attention to how other people are feeling, <laughs> is, like, trying to figure out how Edward seems different, and he's like, he seems hopeful, which I was like, that does not describe how Edward is like <laughs> describing any of his emotions at all. <laughs> like, and well, then the next but page, he's like, he previously thought that his only option was to destroy her, by which he means either murder her or turn her into a vampire and murder her. Um, but he's like, maybe not. So that's Edward's version of hope. I just like, 
want to know how it manifests on his face <laughs> to make Emmett think that he looks to make sexual. Emmett well, go who's basically was not overly intuitive as it says in the book so that means Edward what, has to be like emoting based on what he says later it's like well previously I had been glowering and moody about literally everything that happened to me at every minute and now I wasn't so god <laughs> it's like, an like not looking actively mad and sad so annoying and Emmett has noticed on the next page, Emmett is referring to Edward, and he says, well, he thinks, kids lost his damn mind. He thought, <laughs> amuse. How irritating do you think it is for Edward, for Emmett to refer to him as kid internally? Edward's probably like, is actually like, older than you. Emmett is the youngest prefer. one, and he talks the weirdest. <laughs> Love that as, like, part of his character, though. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense, but I'm so here it for it. Doesn't make any sense. It's like Stephanie didn't have enough exposure to himbos before writing <laughs> Emmett, so like the tropes weren't fully established, and she just had to do her best. Right. But now we know what she was going for. Yeah, it's true. Um. Then one of my favorite lines. This is where Eric is about to ask Bella out, and Edward says. What if this gangly teen with his unhealthy skin was somehow pleasing to her? So rude. Somehow pleasing to her, I thought was so funny. His unhealthy skin. (laughs) You know what? Acne is a normal part of healthy lives, okay? Exactly. (laughs) We get to He gets home. Wait, wait. (laughs) What? Maybe. No. We have to talk about. I could never be an average boy. <laughs> He's I'm a so special determined boy. to be this bad boy, to be a villain. It's like, look, I get it. In reality, he's a vampire. He's done awful things. But like, we haven't seen him do anything awful. So it's just him thinking about how he could never be average. And he is the villain here. And how could she ever like him? Like, she he does not deserve her and he's not one of these human males who wish to court her he's just like on a whole nother plane most annoying person (laughs) so let's skip ahead to edward actually going into bella's room um are we are we not gonna start with him rationalizing going into her room i feel like i feel like yeah like i feel like that's it you know the um, rationalization is, is just way too much for me. Like, it's like a whole page of him being like, it's okay that I'm going But isn't it convincing? Room. No! I wrote, this is unhinged, but as yes. I was reading it's it, like in a way I that you're in was it. compelled. No. Yeah, it's like, like watching Hannibal or something. I haven't seen that <laughs> show, so I might be wrong. But like, you know, like, you see this character doing something fucked up, but there is like, a seductive in, aspect internal to it logic. you're just like in like it. I think it becomes fucked up because there's an like a logic to it that he's come up with like I would have preferred that he just not really think about it and then afterwards he's like oh yeah that was kind of fucked up wasn't it yeah <laughs> from, that's like, like from a moral I feel like you're that's from a perspective of like you're feeling about it but from a storytelling right. perspective 
it's much more compelling that the reader understands like, sucked why. along. Right. Uh, it is it it feels so much more gross like going on the journey with him. <laughs> well, that's cuz it's kind of good writing. Yeah. <laughs> cuz it's like I think she did a really good job with this passage. I think so and too. And the fact that you feel gross about it means that it worked. I guess, but I just ended up not liking it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, well, it's not mm-hmm. about you liking it, really. Right. I think it is. I'm supposed to support him stalking her. I'm no, sure. Stephanie Meyer told us going in, she was like, the reason it took so long to write is because Edward's mind is a terrible place to be and he hates himself. <laughs> like, we were told... It's not going to be fun. You're not going to like it. It's not fun. He's very paranoid here. He's very anxious. He has very, like, unreasonable paranoid thoughts. Like, literally, Maya put it perfectly. He's like, what if a meteor comes down to Earth and kills her and I don't see her again? That's why he goes in her room. It's just like a page ago we were at, I don't love her yet. Right. And now it's like, if I don't see her before a meteorite obliterates her from this world, I have to go into her bedroom. (laughs) And he says, obviously, the meteorite is just a metaphor. So, like, (laughs) you follow him so well. You're like, I mean, meteorites do fall to Earth. Like, odds (laughs) are bad, but, like, stranger things have actually happened than a meteorite falling to Earth. I felt more like, like... I've been in the place where, like, I know that a meteor isn't going to fall, but, like, you just get fixated on that one possibility, and, like, that's where you're stuck in your brain. Yeah, your mind starts to spiral, and from the meteorite, he's like, look, the meteorite is a metaphor. Like, there are lots of dangers that could come from her. So it goes from, like, the illogical to the kind of plausible, because after that, he's like, you know, like, Sure, she's not on a natural gas line, but like there could be a carbon <laughs> I monoxide love that leak. He knows and like where all and the then he's like, gas you know, are. there are some like venomous spiders, not a lot, but there could be one in her room. And could later when he's in her room, he does see a spider. <laughs> so like it becomes more convincing as you go, and that's how she like takes. And then she journey. says his name, and, and you're like, well. And I he guess knows that's he's that. ridiculous. He knows that. He's like that's ridiculous. I know that. I know that I'm being irrational, but I still am thinking it, and I'm still like gonna go there and hang from the eve by two fingers, which is not how I ever imagined this happening. And nope. then he crawls in the window. Every part of him actually entering the room is so different than what I ever would have imagined. I know. I always imagined like slinking, like I always thought there was a tree involved. Yeah, but like I imagine it's sexier. Yeah, (laughs) it's not not sexy. No, No. and the fact that the the side of the house, literally, like the spider monkey, the house when he's like, like he jumps across the tree and then like whoop up. Yeah. And her window is on the front of the house. Why is her room on the front of the house? Why does he push the window aside instead of up? Mm, excellent catch, Olivia. You're a proofreader. Maybe he's sideways. 
He's hanging on. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's hanging from like, one hand. He's hanging from one hand, and he's like, because he's trying to like get it, so his head sideways. So like, you know, what was too much rationalization for me was his decision to break and enter, and how he's like, why am I suddenly so concerned with human rules? And then he runs through all the human rules they routinely break, like insider trading, because Alice is a psychic and all of their fake paperwork and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like that's not the same. That was un- unnecessary. Like you're already it's also there. not just the same. Open, just open it. I agree that it's unnecessary, but I found it convincing. He <laughs> says, what were the human rules to me after all? How many did I ignore on a daily basis? And I wrote it's true. not a bad point. I was like, when when you were this deep when you have already murdered people and you do all these other things and you literally are breaking rules on a daily basis, like I can see how you, you'd be like, add it to my tab, you know? Right. Right. But like, to me, that just like is a con against Edward. Like, okay. Yeah. He doesn't see the difference between like, oh, creating paperwork so he can continue to live a normal life and stalking a teenager. Like the rationalization to explain that these two are similar is what makes me be like, oh, I don't think I like Edward. Because <laughs> he can't see clearly between these two things. But I don't think that it's like a flaw in the book that you don't like Edward because Edward also doesn't like Edward. Edward hates Edward. Well, yeah, but like, I don't know. I feel like in this book, I'm supposed to like, I don't know, like, feel like, okay, I understand why you did that, because it, yeah. like, I don't know, I, I can see, like, my own decision-making in that, but, like, I don't, I don't think you're like, supposed to like him, but I think that you're supposed to get it. Yeah, I think, I think it's about capturing, like, the nuance, you know, in the same way that when you read Twilight, you're like, this is both good and bad. I think reading this, you're supposed to be like, like I'm sucked in, but also I know it's wrong. But, like, in Twilight, it was, fun it's <laughs> is is definitely more fun than midnight i'm with sun. you on that this is way less fun i enjoy midnight sun overall like because i love twilight right but if i just read midnight sun without mm. ever having read twilight i'd be like mm-hmm. no <laughs> not enjoyable yeah but then she says his name she says his name well, and now like, he's never gonna leave. It's so. conveniently, immediately after, he's like, she could never love me. Like, I am the nightmare. I am a monster. Well, she how convenient is it when she's dreaming of him all night? So he could have popped in whenever. <laughs> At any time. And right. she would have. She's been, been dreaming changed. about him every night. Like, he could have come in literally whenever. And conveniently, she doesn't just say his name. She says it twice. And after she says his name twice, she says, stay, don't go, please, don't go. And And this is my favorite. This is what I picked as the next, like, paragraph is what I picked as my favorite sentence slash part of the entire book when we did our, when we did our episode um, with the other pods. Sorry, there's a fruit fly literally in my face um but um so she says stay don't go please don't go um she was dreaming of me and it wasn't even a nightmare she wanted me to stay with her there in her dream 
I struggled to find words to name the feelings that flooded through me, but I had no words strong enough to hold them. For a long moment, I drowned in them. When I surfaced, I was not the same man I had been. Ah! You have I... to keep going. You yeah, have the to next keep going. part is so good too. Fucking fruit fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah, and then we then we get to the namesake of the book. Of course. Um, my life was an unending, unchanging midnight. It must be by necessity always. It must by necessity always be midnight for me. So how was it possible that the sun was rising now in the middle of my midnight? <gasps> midnight sun. <laughs> Look, Melissa, the book got you. It did. The- for the pages before, you were like, but I don't like it. It's not fun. I'm so uncomfortable with Edward. And saying. then you read this, like, romantic five <sighs> lines, and you're like, oh. Right. I'm saying delete the previous five pages. <laughs> <laughs> but the only way that he could possibly believe that Bella might be into him is by apparently breaking into her house, sitting in the corner and hearing her talk in her sleep what other ways is there listeners there are other ways to find these things out um (laughs) communication is they include asking is the is the the big one um don't don't hide out in their rooms it's it is very true melissa you pointed out that he like really goes in on mike newton but here we have proof that he does not allow himself to truly fall in love with bella until until that she also is interested in him and for the rest of this chapter he's like she might say no she might turn me down and i'm gonna respect that like she's gonna turn me down but deep down i don't think he, he believes it anymore exactly because she said his name it's true earlier he admitted to himself that he couldn't stay away anymore and he decided he was going to talk to her but he didn't actually do it until after he got this like reassurance from her that she gave unknowingly, but still. Mm-hmm. This was Actually, also- It's not fair. When we did our episode, like, looking forward to Midnight Sun, I'm pretty sure I talked about that very line and how I read, like, the leaked manuscript in middle or high school or whenever it was, and how that affected me. The imagery of him going underneath the water and being permanently changed when he resurfaces, I was like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Then okay, we get this like, bit I that, I, that I don't, right, the I'll love her forever thing, which is like, I get why it's compelling right, right. and romantic, but I also kind of hate it that like, they're so unchanging, which first of all is like, if I'm going to be alive for eternity, I would like to change with you. Being <laughs> the same person for infinite years sounds hellish. Yeah. But now that he's fallen in love, it will be forever and ever, literally for infinity. No, it's not. You have to work at it, you dummy. Yeah, I, I get why this is romantic because it's like, it's it's a shirt. It's permanent and right. like, oh yeah, that sounds great that someone will love me forever because they no love matter me what, in one moment. No matter what, but it's not how to like, it's actually. It's not how it works. works. <laughs> it, it is a little bit, yeah. I just From want our that? listeners to have a healthy idea of relationships. It takes work. From a storytelling perspective, right. within the context of fiction, divorce Very from the good. real world, I kind of see how it's a powerful device that they're it's unchanging. Because definitely. later, when Edward has to grow as a person, it's really <laughs> fucking hard for him. <laughs> later, it's like, 
eclipse, I think, where Edward is like, yeah, so um, I know that it took three books to get here, but I finally realized that my way is always wrong. <laughs> and your way is always right. I don't know, from a, a storytelling perspective, the fact that it's hard for Edward to change makes for good yeah, conflict. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I just want him to be unflawed from the beginning. Well, that would also be a bad book, though. Yeah, it would. <laughs> it would if also he be were unflawed, you would miss one of the funniest things to ever happen um, in the book and also ever. Edward back at school the next day chatting with Bella and he wants to ask her out and internally he is in turmoil (laughs) um but externally he's trying to keep it chill and so he keeps telling himself keep it light keep it light (laughs) really felt like I don't know like Stephanie was like in the depths of like Edward's life-changing moment falling in love with Bella in the middle of the night and being a stalker and like he's deep in it and then right. she reread this conversation that they had right and was like oh she's no. like fuck <laughs> he just like laughs at inappropriate times all right <laughs> he's like Honestly. trying to convince himself to keep it light this whole plan about Seattle just occurs to him suddenly in the middle of the conversation he has not planned any of this but I think now I'm just realizing what I really wanted from this book is like instead of Stephanie rewriting kind of like Edward to fit in the reactions that she already has planned out is to write how he thinks he's emoting and then we have Twilight to be right. like what an idiot <laughs> like <laughs> think he's he thinks he's being like really cool and like I don't know emotionative emotionative like <laughs> whatever and he's like actually just like laughing at her and (laughs) I I think that would have been a really fun layer (laughs) right chose my words carefully she needed to see to understand that it was her best interest to tell me to go it would be more prudent for you to not be my friend staring into the melted chocolate depths of her eyes I entirely lost my hold on light (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm tired of trying to stay away from you, Belle. It's like such an odyssey between these two lines that he and says, he says like, right next to each other. He says, keep it light to himself at the very end of the chapter, too. Like three times. Um, he he says, shouts keep it, it to light. himself. I shout it at myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in class. <laughs> and internally, he's like, does she hear the future? Will she manage to escape the hell I'll inflict? I'll see you later. I do want to change my favorite quote of the whole book to keep it light. I shouted at myself. <laughs> keep it light. Keep it light. Not even like internal thought. He's like, I'm shouting this at myself. You big dummy. Keep it light. All right. Best sentence, worst sentence. Let's do it. There's too many options here. This was such a great chapter. Really so a journey. Much happened. This yeah. chapter is a journey. Yeah. Yeah, I already said my best and my worst, but I feel like my worst maybe got lost a little bit. Um, yeah, what was your last? My worst was, oh yeah, so she had hidden in her hair, but I could see that her cheek was oh, deep yeah. crimson now. The monster liked that. Right. Ew. <laughs> 
Okay, I've got mine. Um, page 90. I read it before, but I'm going to read it again. It's Mr. Banner thinking about <laughs> how special Bella is for inviting someone to be her lab partner. No one ever gives that kid a chance. Nice of Bella. She's kinder than most of these cannibals. Um, I don't like this because it just doesn't ring true as dialogue, even as internal thought. No. It's just awkward. You don't think of people as cannibals like that. And the only... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was about to say, like, I know several teachers and they all teach because they love kids, including teenagers. Teachers also think like this sometimes like i mean i'm sure that really is hell yeah. i know that it's ridiculous when edward says it also it's but like and sometimes the kids suck yes but like this sentence reads to me as like god i hate my job like which he might he but might. it just like it's even if he does hate his job it just it doesn't ring true like mm-hmm. you don't that's just not that. the phrasing you would use it's a weird word to choose yeah you'd be like She's a lot nicer than most of these little assholes. Like, <laughs> like that. Yeah, that, like, that, that, that's better. And the other thing I don't like about it is I don't like where it took my mind because from there I was like, hmm, do vampires count as cannibals? Are they half cannibals? Are they cannibal adjacent? I would say they're not. I think I it's they're more, not cannibals. I would say not cannibals because I think it's more like a really big fish that eats small fish. Right. Like that's not quite cannibalism. They're like different mm, parts well of the Well, that makes chain. me wonder if fish are cannibals. <laughs> I think you're only a cannibal if you eat the exact same thing that you are. Like, species, like if, there, if there's a fish that eats the same species as itself. Right. I think that's cannibal. Like I think okay. they would they would but be if it's cannibals higher if on they... the food chain. It doesn't matter that they're both fish. They're not cannibals. Right. I think and, that if they found other vampires to like sucked their blood which i guess in this world they don't have their own blood although uh, maybe if you just fed you could like Benicula? okay i'm picking my worst erotogena agrestis a hobo spider from its size a juvenile male once considered dangerous more recent scientific study had proven its venom inconsequential to humans however its bite was still painful dot 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 I reached out with one finger and crushed it silently. Why does he know the name of the spider? Why does he know about he scientific studies about knowledge. it over time? What? He really, he loves insects. Like He retains everything he's ever read and learned. This is that we learn in Midnight Sun about Edward. He loves bugs. He loves bugs. Also, this would have been a great opportunity to use the word squish. <laughs> but that's what I was saying earlier in this book. Like, it doesn't matter if I never slept. I still would never get around to learning all the names of the minor balls. league baseball exactly. players. Exactly. Nor would I learn all the different spiders in my local I area. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I have a best. Um, Edward is in. Where is he right now? He's he's somewhere. He's thinking about her. We're not always like firmly placed someplace because you just no. think so long that you leave <laughs> yeah. where they are. Um, which, as an editor, I'm often making the note like, can you root the reader more firmly mm-hmm. in this moment? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's talking about like just like the torment of her scent. Each time I tasted the air around the girl, it was the same as the first day. 
fire and need and brutal violence desperate to break free. That sounds like a really nice flow and rhythm to it. Yeah. Like it's evocative. It's a compelling sentence. It's compelling. It's like nice to read. I like the rhythm. Yeah, it's just a it's right, a good even though sentence. I don't necessarily like the sentiment. <laughs> I mean no like the I, I'm not like, oh yay, brutal violence, <laughs> desperate to break free. I'll read another nice sentence. Right now, with her dark hair tangled and wild around her pale face, wearing a threadbare t-shirt full of holes with tatty sweatpants, her features relaxed in unconsciousness, her full lips slightly parted. She took my breath away. This was a worse sentence for me. <laughs> really what um it is the only time he has ever described her clothing is her tattered pajamas <laughs> that's exactly how she describes them she wears like old clothes to bed i'm like oh her clothing is worthy of mention in this moment her sleep clothes you well, stalker you know, weirdo but this is like oh even when she was like vulnerable and not at her best so like quote unquote best She's like exquisite, you know, it's a classic. I just love that even in Midnight Sun, we're still picking out sentences that one person picks as the best and one person picks as the worst. <laughs> like there are a lot of sentences right. in these chapters, yeah, but we regularly have overlap. And I love that a sentence stands out to all of us and it either stands out in a really good way or a really bad way. And sometimes for me personally, it's both. <laughs> That's Twilight, baby. <laughs> all right, fam. That's what we got. As that's, usual. That's all we wrote. Email us with questions, comments at twilightfacepodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the pod, check out patreon.com slash twilightfacepodcast and join our lovely growing coven of patrons, including Jillian, Melina, Bridget, Eric, Samantha, Aaron, Josh, Aaron, and Ed. Thank you all so much for your support. You can follow us at Twilight underscore phase on Twitter and Instagram and Twilight Phase Podcast on Tumblr. Disclaimer, we own nothing. The Twilight universe and all characters belong only to Stephanie Meyer. Please don't sue us. Audio editing by Maya Marlette. Cover image by Laura Shermer. And our theme music is written and performed by Adrian Mooring. We'll be back next week. And if you don't like it, you can bite me. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.